0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
1: So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson and Dave Pendleton, Senior Consultant at T2. So uh, we wanted to jump back on. And we want we we seem to be uh, in in the zone at the minute recording sales related podcasts or certainly sales leadership and sales management related podcasts. And we recorded one recently on the hub. I think it was called the five classic mistakes that salespeople make. And although we were talking around the five mistakes salespeople make, we were aiming it at the managers and leaders to try and identify these and work with their salespeople on. So it got us thinking, and Dave and I had a discussion around what if we did a similar type podcast, but the five sort of... um, Areas missed opportunities. Of missed opportunities, that's what I'm looking for. The five missed opportunities are areas for improvement for sales leaders themselves. Yeah. So what do we observe in great sales leaders and managers? And what do we observe that sometimes it's just a missed opportunity that we're not exploiting that could have a huge impact on the performance of our team sure. and sales performance? So we're going to hit you with five things. Dave and I will debate them in usual fashion. And hopefully, you know, over the next... 25 minutes or so you'll be able to take something from it so Dave let's uh, get stuck into it number one or the first uh, missed opportunity or area of improvement for sales leaders and managers what what do you want to start with
0: well do you know what uh, I think this is um, I think this would probably be number one in, in most of the areas and uh, topics that we cover at Trans2 and it's coaching yeah so it's not necessarily specific to, to sales leaders I think it's leaders in general um but but specifically with um, sales leaders, the the outputs are ever more evident when 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 good quality specific successful coaching is implemented in sales teams. Mm.
1: And just to clarify, we were we observe, don't we, that sales managers get too caught up in ma- managing the management process of. Uh, metrics, systems, reporting, forecasting, uh, all of that stuff, which is a key element of sales management, but so much so that we don't take time out to truly coach individuals on the inputs necessary to increase Mm -hmm. all of those things. So I think that's what you're saying, isn't it? Challenge yourself listening to this. Do you manage your team and your more your managers and your business and your forecast and your pipeline and your metrics, or do you truly take time to to coach your people, coach the inputs of your people? Sure. And you know what? It's not about just saying, if you listen to this, well, I, I do, if, if my people are struggling, I do tell them what they need to do or where they need to improve, mm. or I do tell them exactly. That's not coaching, no. right? Coaching is where we are actually collaborating with the individual to understand what they're struggling with, and offer insight and guidance as to how they can make the practical changes that will drive the outcomes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we always have a, an example of this, don't we? The show participate observe yeah, method do, yeah. where yeah. you know I always encourage certainly in sales sales leaders, for example, sales meetings is one of the key elements of, of, of the sales role. And you can't just have a new starter or a salesperson collect the laptop and mobile phone and off you go to the customer. With with a couple of days training around the product, Hit the or ground s- running. You mean, yeah, a couple of days training on the product or service, a bit of an onboarding, and then you're free to go. Yeah. Co- coaching or a coaching technique would be to do the show, participate, observe method. Where the first three meetings you're going to attend with the sales individual, and you're going to lead. In mm. fact, they're going to observe. Yeah, you're going to show show them how it's done. Once you've done that three times over, we're then going to do three more meetings, and they're going to be in participation. So I'm going to do fifty. You're going to do fifty. We're going to share the process we're going to both contribute and then lastly we're going to do another three meetings and i'm going to be quiet and you're going to lead the meeting and i'm going to observe i'm there to bail you out if you need to be but i'm sort of observing and if you did did that for nine meetings let's say with a with a with a salesperson how much more comfortable and confident and equipped will they be to conduct great sales meetings going forward absolutely and that's an example of coaching
0: yeah, it, yeah, it is. Uh, and I think, like I say, it's a missed opportunity across most leadership positions. And some of that is because time constraints, you know, the business wants, to, wants them to continually achieve. So they chase an achievement without understanding what achievement is made of. Yes. Achievement is made of having good, strong, successful people mm. who operate in a way that's completely in line with what the business needs and what the outcomes are. Yeah. Um, and, there's, and there's
1: various forms of coaching. We haven't got time to go into them all today, but the message we're saying is, number one, sales managers and leaders, are you getting caught up in the management process of your role and reporting and forecasting and systems and CRM you know, um, governance and metrics and all of that type of stuff, or are you taking time to truly coach your individuals on the inputs that they require to improve mm-hmm. upon mm-hmm. to be able to deliver all of those things for you anyway?
0: Absolutely. So, so here's a question, um, I guess, to to the sales leaders that are listening. As the leader, you are ultimately accountable for your team's results. So, if the team's results are not where they need to be, is it time to look in a mirror? I, I think the question is we'll, yes. We'll just
1: share your window mirror analogy because <laughs> I love it. What's the window mirror analogy that? And, and sales leaders often fall foul of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's uh, I, I guess it's a, it's an age old analogy that that when, um, when sharing success, you should always look through the window um, because the team are the ones that have helped you achieve success. When something has gone wrong, the first thing you should do is look in the mirror and that is the mirror window scenario. So look in the mirror when things have gone wrong, see how you could have changed uh, the output and the outcomes, see how you could have affected the inputs. Uh, so look at yourself first uh, and when celebrating success, look at your team.
1: Yeah, great tip. Uh, and if you do that, you won't go too far wrong. And what we mean around looking in the mirror when things go wrong is, are you offering the coaching on yeah, point, one? point one? Are yeah. you doing all you can to give that person the best opportunity yeah. of, of being a success in their role? Cool. Right. Number two. So that's number one. We've covered coaching. Number yep. two. What's your number two observation around uh, an, quite an often a missed opportunity of sales leaders and managers?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think an assumption uh, and rightly so. In some examples, uh, and with some people, but an assumption, uh, I guess, often made by sales leaders is that their salespeople are in a sales role because they want to earn fortunes of money, and money is the motivator and the main driver uh, as as to them being there. Yeah. Uh, and as we've as we've spoke about in earlier podcasts, we, we know for a fact that not all salespeople. Uh, become salespeople because they want to. Some people fall into being a salesperson. You,
1: you always say that, don't you? Nobody Absolutely. ever leaves school at 16 and says, <laughs> I want to be a salesperson. You it's a know? bit like We're, a training guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like us. Um, yeah, it's never a career anybody sets out on. But um, I guess you make a valid point there. There is also an assumption that all salespeople are motivated by money. It's not the case. In fact, it's not the case in many cases. Mm. So for for a lot of people, the money and the commissions and the rewards are the byproducts of the success. But the actual motivators and the drivers can be career progression, I want to be the next leader. It can be I want to prove something to my children, I want to provide it can be I like the limelight mm-hmm. and the reward and uh, of 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 being the number one salesperson on the floor, yeah. but it can be it can be for some just uh, that they believe so much in the products and service and company that it, and and what it does and the fact that it might make a difference to mm-hmm. others that they feel passionate about does selling it. Truly it truly helps them. Yeah, helps and being people. the ambassador right. for it. So. Yeah everybody's motivators a different. Don't yeah. assume as a sales leader or manager that they are motivated purely by money. That's right. And that's what you're saying. You've got it to is, understand absolutely. what they're motivated by. Sure. Awesome. Number three, third tip on uh, what leaders need to sort of be conscious of or be aware of that that they may be missing as an opportunity.
0: Well, we ask this question uh, all the time in, in leadership days and sales leadership days. Uh, the question is, how often do you celebrate success with your team? Uh, and we often are hit with a, a sea of blank faces in terms of, uh, well, not very often because we're too busy chasing the white rabbit. Um, and that is that is tip number three for me. Um, and again, this spans across all leaders rather than just sales leaders, but this is the podcast today. So actively seek out reasons to celebrate individual and team success because those people are not necessarily motivated purely and solely by money will enjoy it uh, and they will be motivated by certain levels of recognition, depending on the type of recognition it is. And you can only do that as a leader if you actively seek out those opportunities to do yeah. so.
1: Yeah, we get caught up in sales at times, don't we, where you have a fantastic month or quarter and people have really put in the hard work and, and we've turned it around or we've yeah. finished on a positive or we've done some great things. And it's like a little bit of a few. Yeah. We got there. Yeah. And then the next day, the next quarter starts, and it. it's put to bed, and we move on. And for some people who have who have really, uh, you know, worked hard over that period of time and exhausted themselves, to then feel like it is not recognised or reward, yeah. and we're now going again, yeah. it, it, it can be demoralising at times. So what we're saying is. Do we are we truly taking the time at a manager level or a leader level to and it's not even sometimes about the organisational initiatives of quarterly awards and bonus schemes. It's about big
0: parties or you know huge celebrations like that at all. What are you doing
1: as a manager to make sure you recognise from the smallest level to the biggest deal and the great things your people are doing so it doesn't go unnoticed and that's what great leaders do. Yeah, absolutely. Recognise and reward. I always tell a story of one of the greatest. Managers I work for a Spanish lady called Maita Roel. You know, I, I often say they've done I, that. The top thought of three managers I've ever worked for have been women. Yeah. Um, but Maita was really memorable, and one of the questions she asked me when I first met her, and I I went into her team, and I thought it was going to be the usual sales meet the new manager one to one. You know, what your targets, you know, what your what your accounts, you know, what what she forecast for yeah, the first yeah, month, and it was none of that. She was very different, and she asked me a question which was quite left field. But she said, if you uh, if you um, achieve something substantial or of note who is the first person you would want to know or who the first person you'd want to share it with? And I sort of I sort of looked at her with a, a bit puzzled, but she said, stay with me. You know, I'm asking for a reason. So I mm. said, well, my wife, mm. uh, and I gave her a reason as to why, um, and we and we said no more about it. Anyway, I was in her team for a few years, and it was only about fifteen months into since that conversation. About fifteen months later, that I had a particularly great quarter, and I finished number one in Europe, and I was up for an award. And it was uh, I was going to re- fifteen months. Yeah, yeah, it took fifteen months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and and it was it was one of those where. Um, I, I had to go up on stage and get an award. Now you know me, Dave. My yeah. my motivation. You wouldn't enjoy that at all. My you know. motivators, I was uh, I was looking forward to it, right? Because I like being in the limelight at times. But um, I, I came I came out of that sort of uh, that conference, that awards uh, quarterly awards ceremony, and I got in the car on the way home. I'd not had a chance to ring my wife, but she called me and she said, "Congratulations on your award." And I said, "How the hell do you know?" And she said, "Well, Miter called me last night." So my boss called her the night before to let her know that I was going to receive a quite a prestigious award the next mm, day. Mm. Not to tell me, but she said that when what she'd uncovered with me is that the most important person who would be should be notified in in the case of any of achievement should be my wife. So yeah. Maita took the time out to. To thank her for her supporting me, mm-hmm. for to tell her what an asset I was to the team and what I'd achieved, and it was a great achievement. And do you know what? I'll never forget it. No. And that's, and I'm them. not saying that people listening to this have to do that, because if you say to some people in your team, "What's your wife's name and phone number?" They'll probably tell you to <laughs> go, go away. But the point is, is what can you do to make sure that the little things or the big things are appropriately rewarded and recognized and then we celebrate the successes of the team members because that will that will motivate them to go again absolutely will. cool number four so that's three tips we've done think about coaching not just management we've done about understanding people's motivators at a deep level and we've talked about celebrating success so number four next tip
0: uh, number four is is uh, truly understand the competencies that are needed to achieve what you want your team members to achieve.
1: Love it. right. So this arguably for me is the most under deployed, underutilized part of sales managers roles in organizations. Very often, quite often where we're going ahead managing teams and trying to drive outputs, but with no real clarity or idea of the particular, the specific type of competencies that our salespeople need yeah. to execute on the inputs yeah. in order to achieve that. Now, at this point, I want to signpost listeners to The Hub, We have a sales competency framework toolkit in the hub that managers can use. And this is a result of two years of work that Dave and I uh, put in when we were observing the universal, the 16 universal competencies of salespeople. Now, every sales environment is different. It's worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. And some industries are different to others, depending on the products and services you sell in, et cetera. But we have found 16 universal competencies that doesn't matter what you sell in, should be relevant to all sales roles. Now, these are broken down into four categories, yep. skills, traits, process, and knowledge. But there's 16 individual competencies that we believe, if you can start to assess your salespeople against them, give them a score out from one to four levels, four being expert, one being awareness. Yep. So you've got awareness, working, practitioner, expert, yep. so they can move up the four levels of competency on each of them. Um if you could do that on the 16 universal ones, then you will end up with a bit of a spider chart or a diagram and some gap analysis around what that individual does really well, mm-hmm. but what competencies they need to improve mm-hmm. upon. Absolutely. And that's what you're talking about. If you do that, you have much a much better chance of executing the coaching and the development and the support for that
0: person, which is going to make a difference for them. The sales will come as a result. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so you mentioned there about, you know, understanding gaps and, and being able to coach and, and train appropriately uh, according to people's gaps. Um, But it also gives the leader a a really good understanding uh, of success and what success looks like. And for those people in the team that are achieving consistent success, how are they achieving consistent success? Yeah. And how can I model that and help other people get involved in a similar model to help them succeed as well?
1: Yeah. So if you've got 15 salespeople in your team, you – Go to our toolkit on on the hub. You have some very easy templates to follow and fill in, right? Yep. And what you're saying is if you do a, the first round of assessment mm-hmm. on all 15 salespeople, yep. not only will you find the gaps at an individual level for each person, but if you take your top five salespeople in the team by number, mm-hmm. by, by sales figures, yep and you look at what is the commonalities, what are the common denominators of these five people? Do they yeah. Where are they hot on the competency framework? Sure. And if those five salespeople are all scoring highly on the human element, you know the traits, the characteristics, yeah. the behaviors they display, then you want to map that and replicate that for future hiring purposes for yeah. to, to, to work with the rest of the team. So it actually gives you some analysis and data. And you know what? The same for the lowest performing. If you look at your bottom three salespeople, do they all carry, are they all struggling in certain areas? Mm -hmm. So we would, I think, implore you at this point to to check out the sales competency framework on the hub. Look at the the four categories in the 16 universal competencies of great salespeople. Look at the templates and start, filling in a scoring system on the four levels for each person on the 16 competencies. And just what you'll what you'll get with the tool is you'll get a spider diagram of showing where they are strong today and where their areas to build on are. Mm. And just start the process because it'll allow you to start focusing on increasing the competencies which are going to deliver your results rather than blindly trying to do what you think is right or focus yeah, know, yeah. on areas.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think the where that really really helps uh, is is to find the, the the method I guess the the way to achieve selling this product in this environment in this business to these customers. Yeah, because um, I think uh, I think that lots of um, organisations and sales organisations, uh, uh, particularly, uh, are fairly guilty. You mentioned recruitment um, just a minute ago in recruiting new people. Based on previous results on a CV that may or may not be true, truthful. <laughs> you, usually not. <laughs> may or may not be, or maybe slightly elevated. M- slight, potentially, yeah, slightly yeah, embellished. Salespeople <laughs> <It tells> <laughs> are very good with numbers, right? So, so may or may not be uh, accurate and correct. So, so they're recruited based on, I guess, a picture and some knowledge of transferable skills. Uh, they're brought into a new role, maybe given a day or two, some form of induction. And then they are expected to fill in the gaps. Yeah, uh, and this is where the the um, disparity comes, I think, between the levels of salespeople, the levels of success, the levels of knowledge, and the levels of ability to achieve. So if you've got everybody fitting into the same competency framework, and you know exactly what the levels of input are required on each competency area out the four the four areas and exactly what type of people we're looking for, and we can measure that on a regular basis, we're going to almost create our own formula for success. Yeah.
1: And therefore, the Competency Framework Toolkit becomes your uh, guide for hiring, for developing, for retaining, uh, for promoting, for exiting people based on... And don't forget, we've already done two or three years' worth of research on the 16 universal competencies of salespeople. So don't you know, you don't know. But what some clients do is they add their own, because every organisation is different. You might have some of your own behavioural competencies that sure. you want to add to the tool. But feel free to do that. But what when you're deciding on what it looks like, you've got a consistent way of coaching, developing, measuring, rewarding, promoting, hiring yeah, great talent into your yeah, team. So things. check that out because I think it it will really help you out in terms of assessing your team today, understanding individual gaps, but almost finding what the common denominators are of the successful salespeople, what what do they possess that is driving those sales results today. Correct. Cool. Number five, last tip for leaders and managers.
0: Uh, This one is all around communication. Um, It's something we observe on a daily basis. Uh, I'm sure you'll absolutely uh, agree that um, lots and lots of people have the belief that um, you know, you, you've heard the same many times that, that, you know, I deal with people the way I like to be dealt with. Yeah. You, know, you yourself have got a response to that. I've got a slightly different response, but it means the same thing. Yeah. We think it's nonsense. We think those days are well past and long gone.
1: Yeah. And that, and you know, that old adage of treat people how you would like to be treated. Yeah. And we, all the work we do, There's one consistent theme through anything we ever do from the personal development, the psychometric testing, the leadership stuff. It is treat people how they would like to be treated. Get into other people's worlds. Be the social chameleon. It doesn't mean, you know, some people challenge me on this, Dave, and they say, Martin, but is that not being yourself? And I say, you know, if you're trying to be too much to too many people, is that Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. do you lose your authenticity or do you lose your who you are? And I say, well, no, because. What we're saying is be yourself and understand yourself and know yourself, but know where it is situationally appropriate to take a step in a, in a, in yeah. a direction absolutely. which is not natural to you but will absolutely allow you to connect yeah. with somebody else. Yeah. And that's what sure. we're saying.
0: Yeah, I, I, I often use the analogy because I, I've also had the same challenge. Uh, I often use the analogy to, to explain it very simply that if you imagine a square room, You're in one corner and I'm in the opposite corner. And when we start an interaction, we start to deal with each other. Basically, we're taking steps forward towards each other to a point where we touch and shake hands. That's where success is. Now, whether I come closer to you or you come closer to me, it is almost irrelevant. As long as you meet. As long as we meet. Yeah. And as long as it's not right in my corner and as long as it's not right in your corner, because in either scenario, it's going to be too self-sacrificing for me or too self sacrificing for you. Yes. And that's where it becomes frustrating and conflict is going to arise. So as long as we feel that
1: there is movement in some direction. Absolutely but we are finding a common ground, not the middle ground, a common ground, then that's the art of great connections and relationships. Correct. I love yep. that. Yep. I love that because sales managers and leaders too often lead with their natural style. This is the type of sales manager I am. Yeah, you come to me. I'm an autocratic. Yeah, I drive numbers. I measure outputs. If you do the business... And you uh, hit your numbers, you'll you'll have an easy time. If not, I'm going to yeah. come crashing down. There. Or you'll get the manager, the sales manager who wants to be everybody's friend, yeah, yeah, and they'll yeah. rely on the yeah. social elements. But when it, they struggle to crack the whip and drive the urgency when they need to, the art of it is be who you are, but understand where it's appropriate to step Directors. in the direction. So, yeah. for me as a salesperson, when I was a salesperson, I'm a. I'm quite a driver, as you know, so yeah. I'm very, no detail. Do I know? Yeah. <laughs> no detail, but I'm a, vision, I'm a visionary. I wanna, I'm a goal-driven, target-driven person. I want to move fast, yeah. right? So if you're a sales manager communicating to me, you can afford to be going, listen, Martin, here's where you are. Here's where I need you to be. Mm-hmm. By this point, have you got me covered? And I'm quite okay with that. I'm Just give sure. me that and let me run. Whereas we've got a wonderful person who works with us, Claire, who does all our account management and sales. She's a more amiable character she's a more peace and harmony person she doesn't like that that directive driving pace being over excessive on 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 the message so with claire she would respond unfavorably to that because it would put her under pressure she'd feel uncomfortable she would withdraw Mm -hmm. so what we're saying is as a sales manager you've got to be a, a social chameleon you've got to be yourself and be authentic But understand your people and everything you were talking about earlier. If you understand their motivators and their personality styles and what they're rewarded and fulfilled by, take
0: the step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And it will always serve you well. I think the key message is not change your communication style, adjust it. Just adjust and adapt. That's it. And get in
1: other people's world. Turn the volume
0: up and down. Just that's it. Very simple.
1: If you've got somebody who you can crack the whip with and be straight down the line with and they respond well, do it. If you've got someone who you've maybe got to take in a side room and have a bit more of an open conversation and ask them their opinion, then do it. Absolutely. Cool. And know which ones is which. So let's go through them five very quickly and wrap it up. Number one. Tip is coaching. Don't yes. get caught up in sales management and metrics and forecasting and all the other administration and process, process-driven process duties we've got to do as a manager. Take time to coach your people. Number two, motivate Understand at a deeper level what motivates your people, what yeah. their unconscious motivators are. It's not always money and financial. Absolutely. It yeah. can be many other things. Number three, celebrate success. Yeah. Don't move from quarter to quarter, month to month, without taking time to make your people feel like they've been successful and been rewarded and and you've celebrated it. Number four, sales competence is really important one. There's a toolkit on the hub for you to use. We've put two years of research and hard work into it. You can have it, right? You can use it. Start scoring your people against the 16 universal competence of sales. Feel free to add your own in there. But either way, start understanding where the gaps are at an individual level to be able to increase those inputs. And finally, communication. Don't be a one-size-fits-all. Don't just think that all of your natural persona and personality style is going to land right with everybody. Be yourself, be authentic, uh, but understand where it's right to step in the right direction to get the best out of another person. And I think if you do even two or three of those five things, then you'll start to see some... You'll be showing more leadership and you'll start to drive the collective output of the people around you absolutely cool awesome well 25 minutes is up dave i think we've been bang on time i think so thanks for that enjoyed that as always and we'll be back again no doubt with more uh, content on the hubcast see you soon cheers dave